0: And our gospel comes to us from the 22nd chapter of Matthew today. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David, uh, the son of David. And he said to them, how is it then that David by the spirit calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Holy God, you have a word for us today, a word of comfort, a word of challenge, a word of hope, and a word of leadership for our lives. Make our hearts soft. And plant your word deep within us that it may bear fruit through our lives. Amen. Well, today we celebrate the Reformation, and the Reformation was a transformation of the church, certainly, but also of hearts. I still remember my own spiritual Reformation like it was yesterday, but I was in high school, so it obviously wasn't yesterday. It was in the fall of 1994. It was around this time of year. I was kind of an awkward high school kid, but I was driving my first super cool car in high school. It was an Oldsmobile, so you know how cool I was back then. But I'll never forget the night God became real for me because it was right on the heels of some big disappointments, some broken relationships, some mistakes, and I was driving home late on a Saturday night after spending some time with friends, and there was dust kicking up all around me out on the country roads, and it was, it was dark, it was late, it was that kind of country road dark that just penetrates everything. Well, I dropped off the friend I was giving a ride to, and now I had a long journey all on my own back to my house, and as soon as my friend left and I started driving again, All those feelings I'd been hiding behind the mask just surfaced in a moment, and and it was the strangest thing. I became overwhelmed with this spirit of fear, this spirit of despair, the spirit of guilt, and and it terrified me. It was this uh, agonizing experience, and in the midst of it, I, I remembered a sermon that I'd heard a long time ago. I couldn't tell you who, I couldn't tell you when, and at the time, I couldn't have even told you what Bible verse it was, it was from, but now I know it must have been Matthew 6 where Jesus says, but whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father in secret. The story I remembered was about, uh, from the sermon was about a man who had had trouble praying and, and went to the pastor, and the pastor gave him this advice and said, just go into a room by yourself, sit down, put an empty chair across from you, and imagine Jesus is actually in that chair and just talk, talk to him. And that small practice changed this man's life forever. And and so for some reason I remembered that in this moment. And so as I was terrified and driving, I, I glanced over at the seat beside me and I did just that. I imagined Jesus was sitting with me in that car, and I started to talk out loud. And before I knew it, I was pouring everything out. And almost instantly. That, that, that sense of fear and loneliness and guilt, it just disappeared. And, and it was replaced by this sense of peace and wholeness and this overwhelming sense, presence of Jesus like I'd never experienced before. I was never the same after that night because Jesus was no longer an abstract idea, but now a relationship, the most important relationship in my life. The precise details about Martin Luther's own spiritual transformation aren't exactly known, but there's no doubt that he experienced some sort of epiphany, a revelation that completely transformed his experience of who Jesus was. And most scholars believe that it was this reading we heard from Romans today that God used to break open Martin Luther's heart and reveal Jesus in a new light. Luther was said uh, to, in his early days that he, he viewed Jesus as this severe and terrible and terrifying judge, but then later in life came to know Jesus as a loving Savior, as a loving and dear friend. Friends, we're in a season of thinking deeply about why the church matters. We take this time every fall around Reformation. It's also our stewardship season from October 22nd through the 12th. Every year we take a few weeks to think intentionally about why the church matters and why we, we give of ourselves and our resources to Good Shepherd, whether that's your, your time or your spiritual gifts or your prayers or your money. And so today I'm, I'm sharing with you my story, why I give to the church, and, and because I want everyone to know this persistent peace, this true freedom, the absolute joy of knowing Jesus in a real and deeply personal way. Yeah, of course, there are many other reasons, but this, for me, is the heart of the matter. I give to this cause that has changed my life because I want it to continue changing the lives of others. And we live in a culture today that I think often says it's totally fine to believe whatever you want spiritually. You do you. It's all good. And I struggle with that because respect different beliefs— absolutely. Walk with people wherever they're moving on their spiritual journey for sure, but but deep down I believe that a life with Jesus is the best life, and I want everyone to know and experience this boundless love. It's all about love. See, Jesus in the gospel today lifts up what he calls the two greatest commandments. We'll look at these again. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first, and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor. Sounds simple, right? And yet it's not. And I think often when we look at the world outside, this is not what we see. But imagine for a moment, imagine a world where every human being lived into this reality. Can you imagine what that would be like? a world with no hate, a world with no violence or war, a world without racism or division or hunger or poverty. And when we think about all these problems, we might wonder, well, why give to the church? Well, because it starts with Jesus, because we need reformation today. Luther rediscovered this personally transformative love of Jesus, this redemptive, forgiving, merciful love of God that's the best way of living And despite all of Luther's flaws and shortcomings, of which he had a few, if you've read Luther, you may have noticed sometimes he had a sharp temper and a sharper tongue. But despite his flaws and despite all the challenges and even threats to his life that he faced, after his transformation, he was said to be a man who had a light and generous heart, the kind of person who was quick to laugh and found joy in all the little things in life. Luther was reformed by love the love of God. Friends, we need a reformation of love today. We need a reformation now as much as ever. And I'm going to share just a couple of pieces of data with us this morning uh, to help understand why I think this is true. And because I know that nothing really helps a sermon hit hit us right in the heart like good data, right? (laughs) That's why I'm only sharing two. Uh, But two words I think that all of us as Christians today need to know. And um, these two words are this. The first is dechurched, and the second is nuns, N O N E S. What do these words mean? Dechurched. This first word, it refers to this rapid clip of people who once participated in the life of a church in some way and now just don't. That's what the first word means. The second word, nuns, N O N E S, refers to people who, if they are asked what their religious background or spiritual beliefs are uh, on a form or something like that, they would check the box that says none. Period. These are words we all need to know, and here's why. Here's the data. So the first, dechurched. How many people do you think live in the United States today who would be considered dechurched, who once participated in church and no longer do? Anybody have any guesses? A, a, a lot. A lot of numbers. I'm testing you because I wrote it in a stewardship letter this week. So, <laughs> no. But seriously, 40 million. 40 million people. According to Jim Davis, who's the author of The Great Dechurching, there are 40 million people alive in the U.S. today who once participated in churches and no longer do. I mean, imagine that. We probably all know someone in our lives, right? Friends, family. Look around at the, the pews around us. Maybe there's people here we used to see all the time, and they're just gone, and we don't know why. It's a serious number. That's the first piece. The second is this this idea of nuns, people who have no religious background or affiliation or claim none at all. In the state of Missouri, we'll just stick to that. In 2008, in the state of Missouri, 28% of the population identified as having no religion or background whatsoever. But just a few years later, in 2022, 39%. I mean, let that sink in. That's in Missouri. That means that one in three people that we encounter in our lives in the world today have no religious affiliation at all. And this is the fastest growing religious demographic in the country, all over the country, not in some places, in all places. I don't share this data with us today to bring us down, although it's not really peppy data, right? But actually, I share it for the opposite reason, to help us understand what's at stake, what God is calling us to do today. Because, friends, I don't want to live in a world without the church. I don't want to live in a world where the gospel story is not being told, where the love of Jesus is not known in people's hearts. And when you think about the impact of of the Christian church for good over the centuries, it is staggering, Christians are, are often the ones who started hospitals and schools. It's, it's Christians who often are the ones who run ministries like homeless shelters or food banks or mental health services or whatever it might be. Without the church, I, I can't even imagine what our world would be like today. I don't, want, I don't want my children or my grandchildren someday to live in a world where the church barely exists. I want to reverse this trend. I think that's what the Spirit is calling us to do. I want to sync up with what the Holy Spirit is doing in the world around us to build a world where the love of God and the presence of Jesus is known. I want to build a church that will be here and thriving 50 years from now into the future, reforming hearts, continuing to change the world. That's why I give to Good Shepherd. That's why our family gives to Good Shepherd first above everything else. That's why we give our whole hearts to this ministry, to God's mission in this place, because the world needs a reformation of love. The world needs to see Jesus. In the coming weeks, uh, as we go throughout the fall, we'll be encouraging you to prayerfully think about giving of your finances, of your time, of your spiritual gifts, But if we really want to reverse this trend, if we really want to build a church that will be here and be thriving 50 years into the future and beyond, there's one thing that I think is key. One single factor that all of us and any of us can do it, and and I think this is the most important thing, and that is this. Invite. Invite others into this beautiful life. Share your story. Share what Jesus means to you. Share what Good Shepherd means to you. And invite others in to experience this abundant life together. Because, friends, I guarantee that there are people in all of our lives, myself included, who the Holy Spirit is already working in their hearts. They're just being, they're just waiting to be asked, to be invited. Is there a neighbor that the Spirit's been putting on your heart lately or a friend? Those of you that are kids or, or teenagers, are their friends that you know that don't have any faith community that you could invite to come join us in Sunday school or shine or rise or, or fly or whatever it is to show them the joy of this place where, where everyone is welcome, where nobody is overlooked. Friends, what if all of us got into the habit of seeing every single encounter with another person as a potential Holy Spirit moment to invite someone into this Christian life, into this reformation of love? Luther didn't just start a reformation of the church. He didn't just start a theological reformation. He also started a cultural reformation, a reformation of love that changed the world. Because the love of God was unleashed, it was made visible to people who hadn't understood it, and people couldn't help but tell everyone they saw about this incredible love they had discovered. People couldn't help but invite others into this joyful life together. Our world needs a reformation of love let's get started will you pray with me holy and gracious god you are always reforming our hearts reforming our lives reforming our world we thank you for those reformers that have gone before us boldly paving the way igniting a fire of your spirit in this church god help us to follow in their footsteps to be led by your Spirit to boldly share your love with the world around us. Lord, may your Spirit fall afresh on us today. Move in us, inspire us, lead us and guide us, that we would be faithful stewards of the church you've given us and build it up for the future, so that all would know about your transformative, merciful and redeeming love. In Jesus' name, we pray and we give thanks. Amen.